Hello and welcome to another episode of Investing with IBD. It's Wednesday, December 20th, 2023, and we're coming into the end of the new year, uh, or I guess the end of the year, coming into a new year. And uh, it's time to check to make sure that your portfolio has the right vibe. So are you flowing with the Fed or are you being left out to dry? And that's what we're going to be talking about today on the Investing with IBD podcast. Joining me as always is Arusha Paris from O'Neill Global Advisors. He's a portfolio manager over there. Uh, any any New Year's plans for yourself, Arusha? No, not not really. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll just be doing the podcast more. That's yeah, just the podcast, right? Yeah. And of course, we're going to have Jim Ropel for that. But for this week, we've got Randy Watts. So it's another one of those uh, cases where we've got O'Neill Global Advisors uh, teaming up on the on the IBD podcast. Randy Watts, of course, is a senior portfolio manager. Uh, I had to add that just to make sure you understood that, Arusha. Oh, I, I, I understand the roles around here. Okay, right? perfect, Randy's perfect. <laughs> so, uh, and of course, uh, gosh, I've, I've, I've known Randy for, for a while back when uh, we were we were in the building together uh, and, and stuff. So it's great to have you on the show because we are in such a transition period uh, with the Fed. So I'm excited to get your thoughts on this. We're going to do the education segment first this time around because that really sets the stage for the market and stocks, but uh, glad to have you on the show, Randy. Great, great to be here. Uh, excited to talk to you. It's been a little while, though. I get to. I'm very lucky. I get to talk to Arusha daily. So, well, lucky. You know, <laughs> unfortunate. You know, you know, tomato, tomato. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, let, let's go ahead and start because uh, certainly one of the things that's the most important uh, uh, news lately with the Fed is this kind of dovish pivot they did at their last meeting and. Um, you know, what's what's your take on this? Well, a couple of things. Uh, inflation has been slowing. It's come down a long way. You know, the last PCE print was running about 3% year to year. So not quite at the Fed's 2% target, but definitely getting there. So we've made mm -hmm. a lot of progress on inflation. The market's been very anxious about this pivot, and it's actually forecasted it way before it actually occurred. Yeah. And if you go back a year ago, the market was actually looking for the Fed to be cutting rates this past fall. Now, the forecast on the new Fed dot plot is actually three rate cuts in 2024. So risk assets, particularly more speculative levered assets, have really reacted very positively to this new information from you know roughly a week ago that the Fed thinks they're going to be cutting rates in the new year. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is something that's kind of, you, you mentioned this, that the Originally, the market was kind of forecasting that rate cuts were going to happen at the end of this year, and and that didn't happen. Uh, then you know, kept on getting pushed back, and it seemed like it, the, the the Fed funds futures was getting tossed to and fro with every economic report, especially PCE reports, CPI reports when those would come out. Um, this time, did did they did the market get it right a little bit? Uh, did the Fed kind of oh you know what we're going to come come meet you where you're at market or what what kind of happened there? I think inflation has come down enough that the Fed feels that they're near the end of their tightening cycle. Now, that may be overly optimistic. We'll see. But one of the things that's really happened is the market is right now forecasting kind of a Goldilocks scenario for next year. Earnings for this year are supposed to be about 217. For next year, the street's using about 241. I mean, that's about 11% earnings growth. And it's forecasted for inflation to fall. The Fed thinks we're going to, on the, on the current forecast, we're going to exit next year at about a 2.4% inflation rate, and we're going to get three rate cuts. So if you really think about it right now, you're kind of getting any, everything you could want from an investment standpoint, earnings growth, mm -hmm. lower inflation, and an easier Fed. Mm -hmm. So, so Randy, maybe for, for a lot of the listeners out there, maybe explain why the Goldilocks environment is significant, especially for growth stocks? Well, so one thing that's very important, and I know we're going to talk about fighting the Fed in a minute, is that at the end of the day, stocks are financial assets, just like bonds. And the valuation you assign to them is based on two factors, the earnings stream a stock can generate and the alternative use of the money. Mm -hmm. And the alternative use of the money for stocks, in the easiest, most simple sense, is bonds. And so as rates fall, the value of stocks increases. And at lower rates, 
you're willing historically to pay a higher price earnings multiple for a stock. So when the Fed starts to ease and rates start to fall, that usually means that the stock market is going to get a price earnings multiple expansion. And obviously that's very good for stock returns. Mm -hmm. Well, and now there's another aspect here too, because a lot of times the movement of the Fed is kind of based on projections of economic activity or sometimes a slow, you know, slow what's happening with economic productivity, especially in the case of inflation that's uh, gotten gotten up there as, as it did this time around. So I guess that's that's the other issue here. If if they start cutting, does that mean that the projection of economic activity is, oh, things are going to be getting worse? and we're trying to stave this off and recession, you know, there's all the talk about the hard landing versus the soft landing. So is, is rates coming down a good thing for the economy or is it, Hey, there's trouble and it needs help. Okay. So there's, there's two points there. The first point is normally rates coming down in a longer term picture is good for the economy. It stimulates business mm -hmm. demand and capital spending, and it's very good for housing. And remember, housing is roughly, you know, over 10% of the U.S. economy. So in the big picture, rates falling is stimulative to the U.S. economy. Now, if we talk about the way a rate cycle normally works, is that the economy is growing, it's growing too fast, the Fed raises rates to try to slow that growth down. Historically, they raise them too much. Mm -hmm. Then what happens is the economy starts to slow oftentimes pretty rapidly, and then the Fed cuts rates. Normally, when the Fed is first cutting rates, that is actually a little bit of a negative, because as you mentioned a minute ago, oftentimes the reason they're cutting rates is because the economy is rolling over. So initially, historically, with regard to stock performance, when the Fed cuts, that's actually usually a, a short-term negative signal for stocks. However, if you go out a little ways, it's actually a positive signal. The Fed is always able to engineer the recovery of the economy by bringing rates down. Mm -hmm. And so when you're at the beginning of an easing cycle, there may be a little pain up front, but historically that usually means good things for stocks farther out. I hope the way I said that was clear. Yeah, yeah and, and so maybe to illustrate it, uh, we can bring up, uh, we, had, we had our colleague, Kenley Scott, uh, he he diagrammed uh, really over history a number of times when uh, the rates were cut and what happened in the market and and so uh, we probably can bring that up here in a second and so yeah Randy you can take a look at this and maybe sure. walk us through this and so for those of you who are listening to the uh, podcast you can always go to investors.com/podcast and see some of these charts that that we're pulling up so randy so so maybe uh walk us uh through this for, and this is really starting so, with go ahead. so on, the, on this chart the gray line is the stock market okay mm -hmm. and then the blue line is is the fed raising and the pink line is them cutting and you can see a lot of times when they first cut the market goes down because the market's realized we're in an economic slowdown okay but then over time that actually the market bottoms out and with lower rates, it starts to do much better. Now, one thing that's a little bit different this time around is this slowdown has been so anticipated. We've right. been talking about it now for a year, year and a half, that it's a little bit of a different scenario. And I, I, I'm, I'm not sure we're gonna have the same effect with regards to stocks from the Fed lowering rates. The bond market has had a huge move. Bond yields peaked intraday on the 10-year on October 23rd at over 5%. We closed today uh, on, the, on the 20th with rates on the 10-year under 4%. So bond yields at the 10-year time horizon have actually fallen over 20% in less than two months. So uh, I actually think that's bullish for stocks. It's bullish for risk assets. And we've seen that and that's what's really one of the big contributing factors that's led to this very strong end of the year rally. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people have been 
you know, for, for a while now, talking about that inverted yield curve, you know, the inverted yield curve that almost always, you know, has a recession, you know, coming behind it. And, uh, you know, the inversion is a little bit less now uh, with, with that, you know, 10 year coming down as much as it, uh, as much as it did. And, and, and some of the shorter term uh, ones, you know, maybe coming on the, on the way too in anticipation of what the Fed is doing. But is that still something that you think is, um, you know, a, a, an indicator that's worth looking at that inverted yield curve and what that means for a potential recession? Uh, uh, I think it, I think it is an indicator that matters. It's got a pretty good track record of forecasting slowdowns. Normally, the way the curve resolves its inversion is the economy does slow down and then the short end of the curve collapses. So mm -hmm. the way it normally uninverts is not with the long end going up. It's with the short end falling a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially at the beginning of these rate cutting cycles like we're looking at on the screen. Now, the inversion is about 50 bips, which is historically not a great level for stocks. Uh, but but we're in a kind of an unusual time and it's it's a very different cycle and we'll see, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. I think the most important economic metric to monitor is employment. <clears throat> and what we've mm -hmm. really seen over the last year is that in, in America, if someone has a job, they're spending money. Mm -hmm. So the reason the economy has been able to hang in there is because despite things like a slowdown in housing, et cetera, is because employment has remained so good. And this most recent couple of months, employment went up to 3.9, but last month it came down to 3.7. So unemployment is still very, very low. And if it remains low, it's likely that the economy is going to be okay. <clears throat> and I think this is what the market's counting on for hopefully a soft landing next year. Mm -hmm. So and maybe, Randy, talk about, because it's been a really interesting year, obviously, with in, for most of the year, the MAG-7 was dominating the environment. But with with the Fed pivoting and getting more dovish, we started to see the Russell 2000 start to participate more. We started to see more participation and broadening of the rally. Maybe talk about kind of maybe that potential transition into more of a, a broad-based uh, market. The large cap tech stocks, the mega cap, the Magnificent Seven, are really essentially defensive stocks because they've got a very high likelihood of success. Their earning, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> their earning stream is pretty stable relative to small companies. Small companies have a couple of factors. First is their balance sheets are not as good as these huge mega cap tech stocks. Mm -hmm. As a result, when the Fed is raising rates, that puts pressure on the small cap stocks in terms of their ability to raise capital. <clears throat> when the Fed is lowering rates, it makes the capital environment easier. So that's very good for small cap. The other thing is that small cap stocks are much more levered to the US economy than the large cap. Large caps get a big percentage of their sales from overseas. Small caps in general are, <clears throat> excuse me, are almost entirely domestic. Mm -hmm. And so yep. they're very focused on the, on, the, on the US economy. So now that people are starting to believe we could have a soft landing, that's actually very bullish for small cap stocks. Small stocks have lagged large cap stocks greatly over the last two years. And if you look at the market now, the S&P, Sorry, the S&P, the NASDAQ, and the Dow are either at new highs or flirting with new highs, whereas the Russell is still more than 20% away from a new high. So if we have turned the corner on small cap stocks, there's still a long way to go in this cycle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you kind of bring up some of the differences between these, uh, you know, multinational companies, uh, the, especially the Magnificent Seven and the smaller uh, companies. Uh, should we get a little bit of the discussion of the dollar in here? Because uh, certainly, whenever you get a, a strong, a, a strong dollar, uh, you, you start hearing the multinationals start talking about forex exchanges um, and you know what that does to their earnings and revenues uh, when when they do those foreign currency exchanges. Uh, is that something that's that's part of the equation here, or is that really kind of secondary? Um, because it, it's, again, part of, it's part of the equation. Listen, the Fed is the bank to the world. 
essentially, mm -hmm. right? It's the biggest, most important central bank. <clears throat> when the Reserve Fed currency begins, and all. <laughs> when the Fed begins an easing cycle, it affects everyone globally. When the Fed is tightening, you should think about interest rates as a bribe to have someone hold your currency, okay? When the Fed is raising rates, the dollar is rising as it has this last year. And that has a couple of effects. One, it normally puts a lot of pressure on emerging markets. And next, it hurts corporate earnings because there's a negative currency translation, especially for large caps, as they translate the profits overseas back home into dollars. When the Fed is easing, that's good for emerging markets. That usually lowers the dollar. And in fact, the dollar has come off of recent highs. It's trading about 101, 102 versus the basket right now. Earlier in the year, it was more like 104, 105. Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so we have seen the dollar give up some gains relative to foreign currencies. We've also seen as the dollar comes down that that's stimulative for the emerging market indexes. Uh, so the dollar does matter. It matters more to large cap than small cap because, again, the small caps are not getting a huge percentage of their sales overseas in general. Obviously, there are some small cap companies that get a lot of their sales overseas. But in general, the Russell 2000 gets a small percentage of its sales overseas than the S&P 500. I think the S&P 500 gets something like more than 25% of their revenues, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. so, so the dollar translation effect has a much bigger impact on large cap. Now, as the dollar comes down, that's actually a positive to help earnings for 2024. So if you think we're going to have a weakening dollar next year, that actually should increase your confidence a little bit of the ability to hit the earnings targets for large cap. Mm -hmm. So to kind of put a bow on this, uh, since it is Christmas, um, you know, what, what should investors really be thinking of? Uh, again, it, it's, you know, the, the, the overall theme, of course, this is said over and over, don't fight the Fed. Um, we've really kind of had a very unusual time period because certainly with COVID uh, and, and so much stimulative effects, not just from the Fed, but of course, uh, from legislation and, um, you know, stimulus checks, everything that was happening on the stimulative side, and then supply chains getting disrupted, everything that kind of led to the inflation side. Um, what what can we kind of gain from this historically, since this is a little bit unprecedented, um, but what what should people be looking at in terms of the correlations with past events that okay. have happened with the Fed? So a few things. One, interest rate movements, interest rate changes by the Fed are like potato chips. They rarely can have just one, whether <laughs> it's a hike or a cut, okay? Yeah. So if the Fed is entering a new cycle where they're going to start cutting rates, then that means there's probably going to be a few of them. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I feel, at least there's three things I want to say. The second thing is, I feel that we have likely seen the highs in bond yields for this cycle, for this cycle. I do think we are now in a permanent higher trading range of inflation and interest rates than we were over the last 10 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're not going back to 75 basis points on the 10 year. Okay. <clears throat> the new range is higher. So maybe the new range is, I, mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe the new range is three to five or two fifty to five or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that means for fixed income investors and for individuals, this is probably a good time to extend duration in your fixed income portfolio. Mm -hmm. Now you kind of missed the high, but if the Fed is going to be cutting next year, those rates are going to be coming down. So this might be a good time to take some of that money you have in money markets and extend it out, you know, two, three, five years. Uh, so that's that's kind of that's kind of the, the next point. And then the final point is, oftentimes in these cycles, the declines in inflation are not linear. Mm -hmm. So there's an awful lot of good news in the stock market. <clears throat> there's an awful lot of good news in the bond market. It would not be, on, be beyond the realm of possibility to get an inflation print in the first half of the year that goes the other way. Now, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean a trend change, but it just means you're not going to be, you know, every print doesn't have to be perfectly in line. And if that happens, that could really upset financial markets in the short term, given how much we've run. I mean, the market is very, uh, I don't want to give a mixed message. The market is very overbought in the short term, both in fixed income and in stocks. Now, 
Do I think the fact the Fed is turning its cycle is bullish for financial assets? I do. Do I think next year can still be a positive year? I do. But we've had a huge move in a very short period of time, and it would not be unusual for us to give some of that back. Well, we'll definitely get into some of those details in our next segment uh, when we talk about the market. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back after this short break. High inflation has impacted many of us. But what happens when prices go up 55, 67, or even 276%? It makes living more costly. It eats into your paycheck. At the end of the day, the salary itself, it's not enough. And money quickly loses value. You can't see if you can't do anything. Check out our complete series on extreme world inflation from A to Z, from What's News, plus other exclusive content on WSJ Special Access, only for WSJ subscribers. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with Arusha Paris, who joins me every week. He's a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors. And speaking of portfolio managers at O'Neill Global Advisors, we've also got the senior portfolio manager, uh, Randy Watts, who's joining us today. He just uh, talked to us a lot about the Fed and really kind of helped put put down the, uh, I guess, the environment that we're in. Uh, with the Fed kind of turning dovish and and what that can mean for the stock market. But let's get a little bit more granular if we could, Randy, and sure. and take a look at the current market. You did mention in the last segment how we had such a strong November and we have gotten to overbought conditions. Um, so while you might be bullish long term because of those Fed cuts coming in the short term, uh, what's the expectation here? Uh, well, I would say, let me say a couple of things. First, my big prediction for next year, listen, I don't know if the market's going to be up or down next year, but mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a very volatile year, very mm -hmm. volatile. So I think people should kind of strap in for the for, for an up and down ride. Normally, the fourth year of the presidential cycle, the election year, is the second worst year of the cycle. Mm -hmm. And the first quarter is usually a flattish quarter, which is different than the first quarter cycles for the other years. So normally the first quarter of the election year isn't that great a great a quarter. And you get a lot of your gains in the election year after the election. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we've already had, and we've anticipated, as we talked about in the first segment, an awful lot of good news yeah. already at the end of the year. So I view the beginning of the year with a little bit of trepidation. The market is overbought, but the bond market's overbought. And to show you the magnitude of the move, with regards to the Russell 2000, as we were talking about small stocks a minute ago, it's the fastest move ever from a 52-week low to a 52-week high for the Russell. Wow. Russell mm -hmm. went up 20%, went about 23%. Mm -hmm. So that is, that's a pretty fast move mm -hmm. to do that in, in under two months. So normal market action would either be sideways or to pull back to digest some of these gains. Mm -hmm. So to so Randy, so to strap people in, like for to try to reduce the volatility, just kind of the the normal things, raise a little cash, try to get in a lower beta stocks, th those those kind of things for for investors. I think you don't have to be in a rush to buy. I think the market's mm -hmm. going to give you the market always gives you opportunities. So I don't think you have to be in a rush or panic to buy right now. And I think there's some stocks that are up so much, but the prudent thing is to take some money off the table. So, you know, at work, we've been trimming some of our extended stocks because mm -hmm. they're up so much when, you know, when you have a stock that's up 50% or something in two months, and they're now a lot of these stocks are 10, 20% away from their 50 day moving averages. You've really got to be, be taking some profits off. It, mm -hmm. That's the prudent thing to do. Yeah. We doubt it's going to be a straight, you know, much like we talked about inflation bouncing around. I doubt the ride in stocks is just going to be the straight escalator up next year. I think I think there's a lot. I mean, listen, we still have two wars. We haven't cut the rates yet, though the Fed has forecasted it. So we still have an inflation issue. We've got a very controversial is not the right word. But I don't know what the right word is, but presidential election coming up. So there's an awful lot of stuff happening out there. And we've just had this massive move. So I don't think we I don't think you need to be rushing into stocks here. And I would say it would be prudent to take some of the extended stocks down a little bit. Yeah. 
And I think that's the big thing right now. It's it's kind of fight the FOMO. Uh, a lot of people, as you said, it, the Russell 2000 was just at 52-week lows. And now that it's at 52-week highs, people are like, wait, what what just happened? You know, and and feeling like they missed uh, a good a good portion of that because uh, if you were waiting for a pullback, yeah, that just didn't really happen in a big way. So uh, yeah, I think a lot of people have this fear of missing out. It's come up so quick, so fast. Uh, they weren't as en engaged or exposed. And um, yeah, there's there's a little bit of catch up, but you, you have to be very careful uh, not to chase things. Uh, so it's 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 finding that right balance. Um, uh, one of the things about if we could kind of even get a little bit more gran granular, because today was a really interesting day in terms of the the Russell 2000 just had gotten above 2000, and then uh, you know today seemed like it was it was a nice follow up to uh, that move uh, that we had yesterday where we 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 kind of held above that 2000 well, but then big outside day today, a lot of stocks, what was it around 11, 1130 uh, Pacific time, uh, the last hour of trading really kind of took it on the chin. Um, can you talk a little bit about what happens there? Uh, if, if we look at like the intraday chart, um, when, when you get a day like, like today where it just seems like relentless selling, um, what, what, what's going on there? I just think I think you're getting a little bit of a buyer's exhaustion, right? Mm -hmm. You've had this huge move up. It's getting the near the end of the year. A lot of people don't want to completely, you know, redo their portfolios. People are starting to maybe take a little money off the table. Uh, and it's the holidays. Mm -hmm. So people are starting to cut out for their end of year vacations, et cetera. So normally trading volume starts to dry up around now. And I would expect the next several days to be, you know, Wall Street to be less fully staffed. And so I think that illiquidity can have an effect on it as well. But but again, I think the primary thing is I think the market's a little bit exhausted from this dramatic move from October to today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, again, we don't need to spend too much time on the granular. Um, but uh, one, one other thing to just kind of talk about a little bit is uh, in addition to the Russell 2000, it does seem like the equal weighted ETFs, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about like RSP, which is the equal weighted uh, S&P 500, uh, that was kind of suffering for a, a lot of the year. It looked a lot like the Russell uh, 2000, in fact, but that seems to have gotten um, much stronger recently, whereas before we had a lot of strength in the NASDAQ composite, the S&P 500. Um, is this telling you anything uh, you know, if, special? If you get the Goldilocks scenario, which we talked about, which is lower inflation, lower rates, and good profit growth for the, for the market, you're going to have a different set of leadership than you had last year. If you, if you get that, if, the, if you really do get the soft landing and the Fed cutting rates and inflation coming lower, it's likely that cyclicals, value stocks, and small capital lead. Mm. Okay. Now, normally when you enter a year, you don't get everything you think you're going to get. So, you know, I'm skeptical, I'm extremely skeptical that you're going to have all three of those things play out. Okay. This Goldilocks soft landing. I would mm. be great. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I would be shocked. If what we think we should, I should come back on the show next year or this day. I would be shocked if what happens is what everyone's predicting right now. Mm -hmm. Right? We're going to get three cuts. We're going to exit the year at two four inflation, and the S and P is going to print two forty one. Mm -hmm. I don't know which of those is wrong, but I guarantee one of them is. Yeah, at least one, right? At least <laughs> at least one, at least mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Now, so over the last couple of months, it's been, it's been a, uh, as we know, a pretty, pretty strong rally. Uh, and we've had a lot of stocks, you know, junk off the bottom, a yeah. really strong rally there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many, yeah, you've been, you've been doing this for a long time. How often does that type of rally happen that strong? And it's really a lot of the lower quality stocks uh, really starting to lead. It, it, it happens rarely. It tends to happen when you're making a bottom economically and when you're making a bottom in credit contraction. M2, this last year was down for the first time since 1960. That's the money, a measure of money supply. That's mm -hmm. very unusual, okay? 
So it has been for mid and small companies, a tough financing environment over the last year. And I'm sure you guys talk about this all the time. Arusha is an expert on IPOs. There were not a lot of IPOs this last yeah, year. Right. Okay. So financing got tough. You had a banking crisis. You had the Fed raising rates. You had an unfriendly equity window. So normally what happens when you get that kind of a move in these lower quality stocks is that you're turning the corner on the liquidity and financing cycle. So that the last time this really happened was really like the 09 period. Okay. Wow. Remember in 09, we had a massive yeah. rally in yeah. low quality stocks. Yeah. Everybody thought everything was going out of business. It was the end of the banking sector and then got stabilized and turned around and the fed and the government got, got easier and, and stuff took off. Mm-hmm. Now, what's different this time around is that the economy never really had the same level of slowdown you had in the great financial crisis. So what's weird about it now is we're starting from a better place economically. Again, unemployment is 3.7%. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a strong labor number. Mm-hmm. So I think the question is, I mean, to, to be blunt, I kind of think it's going to be one of two things. Either the Fed is cutting rates, inflation is coming down, but the economy is not as strong as people thought it was going to be. Hence, you don't get $241 in earnings for the S&P. Or, or the economy is strong. <clears throat> Profit growth is pretty good. Inflation maybe doesn't come down as quick as people thought. <clears throat> and the Fed doesn't cut or they don't cut three times. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a pretty bullish scenario for the market would be, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. A, a pretty bullish scenario for the market would be, yeah, you don't do 241 in earnings, but maybe you do 230, right? 232 or something. That's still pretty good versus 217 for 2023. Maybe you don't get three cuts, maybe you get one or two, but an inflation comes down to 25, 26. That, that's actually a pretty good environment for stocks. I mean, that, yeah. you know, you'd have profit growth again and things are going the right way on rates and inflation. So I could see a, a pretty positive scenario occurring. I, I just don't think you're going to get, I'm sorry to be so repetitive, 241, three cuts and 2.4% inflation. That to me seems overly optimistic. Mm-hmm. And and maybe you could, um, I, I know you kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, again, with with the Magnificent Seven having gotten so much attention this year, um, really a, a lot of a lot of tech, uh, computer software enterprise seems like it really you know there, there were there were definitely places to pick and choose. Yeah. Um, I mean, energy you know not too long ago had its phenomenal bounce back. Um, are there any sectors that are kind of to you set up to take advantage of this change in environment? Uh, you know, whether it's the Fed. The earnings, um, you know, the 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 yields coming down. Uh, any sectors that you think could particularly benefit? You mentioned value, uh, some of the smaller caps, but any more specifics there? So, so let me say a couple of things here. First, while I talked about cyclical and value leadership, if we get a soft landing, I don't believe that's the long-term leadership of the market. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 the first thing. Uh, why don't I mention some themes and then let me tell you some other things we like. In terms of themes, themes that we're really focused on inside our, our group is still focused on AI. Mm-hmm. We're at the beginning of that. I think there's a possibility other companies that you don't think about for AI could get involved in it. I mean, no one's heard from Apple. I'm sure they're working on something. I'm sure they'll have their, their say at some point. We believe the weight loss drugs are a huge phenomena. We think we're in the if you use a nine inning baseball game, you're in the second inning of that. Mm-hmm. These could be the highest revenue drugs in the history of the planet. Mm-hmm. You could have millions and millions of people on these drugs. And right now, I think 2% of the population is on them. So, and something like, unfortunately, I think something like what, 30 or 40% of the US is technically obese. So that's a huge potential. Uh, given the world we live in, unfortunately, cybersecurity we still think is a massive, a massive theme. Uh, coming out of COVID, we still think people are favoring experiences over items. So consumer companies that 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 work with with experiences is one. We think there's the potential for the housing cycle to turn around here. So that could be, you know, 
very positive for a lot of stocks that have suffered this last year. So I think there are a lot of interesting places, you know, in the market you can go. Now, <clears throat> a couple of groups that have been beaten up over the last year, <clears throat> if we can pull up the charts, one is XLU. Yeah. That's utilities. If, if, if we can see it maybe better on the, yeah, on the daily, um, if rates are really peaked and are coming down, that's bullish for utilities. Mm -hmm. And then another one is XLRE. If you have a soft landing, then real estate hopefully should do better. Real estate had a very bad year up until just recently. In Arusha, you can highlight the, the relative strength line on that chart. But this was a, one of the worst sectors in the market for, for most of the year. So those are both yield-driven groups that have suffered from the Fed tightening. If we're really going to turn the corner on rates, then, <coughs> excuse me, if we're really going to turn the corner on rates, then that should be very good for these yield groups that have not had good years. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think this gives uh, our folks a lot of things to think about. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the show here, Randy, uh, and sharing your thoughts on uh, these these broad sector themes, as well as the broad economic impacts of the Fed. So uh, we'll definitely maybe take you up on your offer and uh, have you on next year to kind of do the, the the year in review and see see how things panned out. But we really appreciate you coming on. Anytime, guys. Really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great holiday. Okay, you too. Okay, and when we come back, uh, Arusha and I are going to take a uh, look at some of the stocks that are potentially setting up, and we'll end that segment on that note uh, uh, right ahead of the holiday. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Trading Tesla, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leveraged and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with Arusha Piras from O'Neill Global Advisors. He's a portfolio manager over there. Uh, we just had a great conversation with Randy Watts. Um, he had to go for, for this last segment, but I think Arusha and I can maybe uh, muddle our way through, especially since we've got some guidance uh, that we, we got from the first two segments. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about three stocks. And why don't we start, Arusha, with Alphabet? Um, this is one that I, I guess, you know, when, when we're talking about the the magnificent seven it seems like recently this one hasn't been participating as much it's been kind of making this base while a lot of the other stocks have been moving so strongly in november so i mean in a vacuum i look at this base and i'm like hey this looks pretty good but then i look at that relative strength and i get a little concerned what, what's your take yeah, I, I think that's the the exact uh, thing to to keep in mind. It is actionable here. It is breaking out, but I, it seems like over the last six months or so, this has been the lagging stock of the the Mag Seven. So where you have like Meta uh, moving into new highs, or of course Nvidia, but uh, Apple's been doing pretty well, and uh, a number of those other stocks. Uh, here's Google finally breaking out uh, today. Uh, it was struggling. I mean, remember on the the earnings report, it gapped down uh, mm -hmm. and then built some kind of V-shaped cup, came back in, started to settle down again, started to get a little bit more constructive here, finally broke out, but now it's breaking out. You know, all these other stocks have, have been moving uh, for a little while. And, and as, we, as we were talking with Randy, you know, it's been a pretty strong last couple of months here. And what has Google been doing, right? And you can you can see that with the relative strength line, it's been in a downtrend uh, for for during this whole time. And so, yeah, it is actionable here, but uh, you 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 very well could be getting into laggard. So you just want to keep keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is a a good time to kind of talk about the difference between a stock that's maybe a laggard and Again, a lot of the a lot of the stocks are extended right now. So the ones that are actionable, you're almost like, well, where have you been? You know, why haven't you participated? But then on the other side, you could say, well, if there's sector rotation, wouldn't it be those stocks that haven't participated that would see the rotation? So how do you know whether it's sector rotation potential and this is where the money's going to now, or it's it's a laggard stock and you want to stay away? Yeah, I mean, sector rotation, we've been we've seen that pretty consistently over the last year or so. 
Uh, the problem is, is that this sector has already been doing well. Who's been rotated right. into plenty of times, <laughs> right? So I, I would still lean more. This is not necessarily sector rotation. It's more kind of the market going, okay, all these other stocks are extended. Uh, and, you know, I'm just looking even on the, the left-hand side of the, the weekly chart here. I mean, you can even talk about like snap right now snap snap kind of will fall in the category of lesser quality right now right this is probably more in the category of the junk off the bottom i mean yeah. look at the the move that this has had uh, over the last uh you know couple of months right here it's just been a rocket ship meanwhile google has been basing out now yes google's much closer to you know all-time highs versus a snap but but this is the type of rally that Google's missed out on, and all of a sudden now, now's the time that that it's breaking out. And uh, when the the market finally starts getting to some of the other stocks that haven't participated, sometimes that's when the market needs to to uh, take a break, right? The market's now saying, okay, we pushed up some of the better quality stocks, and some of the stocks have been beaten down so much. We, we run those. What else can we push up? And finally, oh, let's get back to Google. And yeah. so a lot of times at that point, it's like, and we saw with the reversal today, it's like, okay, maybe now the market might need to take a little bit of rest. But that being said, it is only 1% below the pivot. On a price level, it is still right around that actionable point. But ideally, you want to see that relative strength line start to improve to get more excited about a Google. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the ways that uh, relative strength lines can improve, it's not just from the stock going up. If we do have a little bit of a pullback in the market here, and your stock holds up better, that's another way for relative strength to improve and can often tell you, hey, there's something special going on uh, if, if it's just not coming down as much. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Randy also mentioned how uh, cyclicals may be a place to be looking for in the future. And I, I noticed uh, you know, a, a nice move in copper recently. Uh, you know, Some of the materials, uh, if you looked at like XLB, for instance, um, that's the Material Select Spider ETF. And this recently kind of came out of a, a base, uh, it looks like. And, you know, again, the relative strength isn't as great on this one, but you could make the argument, hey, this could be more of that sector rotation happening uh, into a, an, an area that wasn't as favored. So uh, getting back to copper, uh, Southern Copper SCCO, uh, this is one that looks like it's, it's had a decent move here recently, um, coming up to the former highs at 87.59. Uh, a, a little bit of a down day today, but some really strong volume, uh, you know, in the last week as this was climbing up on the right side of this cup. Yeah, uh, well, a lot of times, you know, one of those kind of market truisms is that when copper starts to run, you know, the, the market's getting better. You could be getting back into a more of a, a bullish type of market. Uh, and so it is a positive uh, to see a Southern Copper work on the right-hand side of the base. And I totally agree with you. I mean, one of the things here over the last few weeks is that volume. So you're starting to see, and really probably even longer than that, you're starting to see a, a character change within the volume. And you're starting to see some nice spikes there uh, happening. Uh, and then if I go over the weekly chart, but uh, wanted to check the up-down volume ratio is a 1.3. So over the last 50 days, you are getting more up volume versus down volume. So there is some more power coming into it, 30% more up volume versus down volume. Uh, and then you have a B plus accumulation distribution rating on the stock too. Uh, and in this uh, case, uh, the relative strength line is starting to tick up also, right? So versus the Google, where the relative strength line was still in a downtrend, wasn't really doing a nice uh, sharp move up. Uh, you're starting to see improvement uh, in Southern Copper as it's building the right-hand side. You're starting to see that relative strength line also starting to tick up. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we often talk about how cyclical stocks have to be treated a little bit differently. I mean, uh, look, the EPS rating on this isn't bad. I mean, 95, eh, that, that, that's nothing to, nothing to sneeze at. Um, but it certainly doesn't have... Uh, you know, the consistent growth, uh, you know, you, you you do have some negative quarters, but it seems like a lot of things have uh, some, some red quarters here lately. Um, but a lot of times the cyclicals, you almost have to kind of get into them and, and put them on your radar when they might be negative and the projections forward are a little bit better. Uh, so it looks like, you know, the projections are, you know, for a decent 5% next year, but certainly uh, you see some some nice double digit growth in the last couple quarters of earnings, and um, you know, sales 
double digit this last quarter, but it wasn't really there before. Uh, so uh, again, just something that you have to realize you have to kind of treat these a little bit differently sometimes in terms of that, um, those, those earnings numbers and revenue numbers. Yeah. And I, and I just switched over to the monthly chart too, Justin, where uh, it is really close to uh, getting into all time highs here. And in many ways, this is uh, it's, it's kind of a little bit of an inverse head and shoulders there. And, and you know, 80s, 80s, really that key resistance and it's starting to merge out of that. So I think from a, a longer term perspective, this uh, could be a positive, too, if it can get into all time highs. Uh, may, maybe it can start to trend trend a little bit better here. Uh, it's had it's had some moments uh, and, and some years where it's been able to do really well. Mm -hmm. And let's go ahead and wrap this up, uh, you know, while we're talking about kind of other areas that might be getting um, uh, a little bit more love. Uh, Caterpillar, you know, in the industrial area, this is one of, one of the big industrials, of course, and uh, this has had a nice move off of its bottom. So it's, it's kind of, you know, all the focus has been on the tech, but there are these other areas that are really worth uh, watching. And, you know, I mean, this is this is kind of a very, very sharp move off the bottom. So I do think it would be very normal and uh, constructive for it to take a pause here as it gets up to that 293.88 level that it hit back in you know July, August. Um, what's what's your take on this one? Is there anything uh, that you would look at in terms of Caterpillar in terms of how to treat this a little bit differently or um, or anything like that? No, I mean, I, I think you definitely want to take note of the move. It's been a strong move right up uh, in, into uh, new highs here, uh, but you don't want to rush it, right? You talked about FOMO earlier in the episode. You know, be disciplined, let the stock settle down again, uh, and then maybe consider it. Uh, but uh, for, for the most part, it looks like it has, uh, its metrics are all pretty good here. And if you take a look like at the XLI, the XLI is also... Uh, right near uh, all-time highs here too. So uh, the whole industrial area is starting to act better. I mean, it, it is a little surprising that Caterpillar is uh, doing pretty well with China uh, slowing mm -hmm. down, right? And the FXI has been struggling and a lot of Chinese stocks have been struggling. And so Caterpillar gets a big part of their revenue from China. And so when China, when Caterpillar was selling off, I was like, that makes complete sense because a lot of other Chinese stocks are selling off and obviously Caterpillar's going to get hit. But here comes Caterpillar running right up. Maybe uh, maybe it's kind of benefiting from this really strong rally here. And, and so now I think we have to really see, okay, how does it pull back? Is it really going to continue to act constructively and uh, maybe even set up something more constructive than this consolidation that it's done right now? Uh, and uh, Or is it just going to just kind of get uh, fall back into this trading range and just go sideways for a while? So I, I think it's a little too early to, for this, but this is a time where you definitely want to, do a little bit more research and say and, and try to figure out you know why why is caterpillar doing so well uh but you know a deer is still struggling mm -hmm. right and and just try to try try to figure that out but the 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 bottom line is that you know industrials are there are a lot of industrials doing well yeah. uh, the infrastructure bill a lot of that money hasn't been spent yet uh and of course you know randy mentioned housing's uh, doing well and a lot of all the related industry groups uh towards housing have been doing really well too so there are a lot of other areas besides tech and AI-related stocks that are, have been participating over the last six weeks or so. And I think because of that more uh, broader participation, that's a reason for optimism uh, here in just kind of the market. And, and you know, that, that I kind of try to tell myself, you know, that there, there are a lot of stocks out there that are breaking out and giving you opportunities to get exposure to the market. Yeah. And, you know, just to your point earlier about SCCO, you look at the up-down volume ratio on this one, it's 1.4. Um, that's that's pretty pretty good. Uh, you look at the, the, the earnings, again, it's EPS rating of 93, a little bit more uh, blue on this one, uh, a little bit better in terms of the double digits being a little bit more consistent there. And then if you look at the daily, um, it's, it's hard not to notice that big volume uh, that, that we have again on the right hand side here. So I think with a lot of stocks right now, what I'm looking for is a lot of them have come up to these previous highs or they've, they've been running for a while. You could imagine them pulling back here and 
I mean, during the holidays, a lot of times you get lower volume. I mean, we really did. If you go back to the market, we really have had some pretty strong volume lately. Um, a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of big volume days in the market, and you could really see that tapering off potentially over the next couple of weeks as we go into the holidays. Which, if stocks pull back and the volume starts trickling off, I know it's because of the holidays, but still. That's kind of the look that we want to see. So I could really see some uh, setups coming out of that. And I guess part of it is just having that patience, uh, making sure you're not taking too much of a clip. Uh, if, if there is a pullback to where you've gotten so overextended and you know ahead of your skis, uh, chasing stocks, that you get shaken out of stuff and miss the potential turn um, if it happens. I, I think this is definitely a time to be ready for the, the, the next push. Uh, uh, if if there is a pullback here, I think that's ideal, an ideal situation. Yeah, how how it pulls back is going to tell us a lot. I think now what, what we're up to maybe three distribution days uh, on the the Nasdaq. Is is it th was today the third distribution day? Yeah, yeah, we, we we did have up to three, but then um, you know one dropped off because we were making so much progress. So uh, my guess is that you know I, I I'm guessing volume was heavier today. So yes, today would be uh, the third distribution day on the Nasdaq. And I mean, look, this was this was not a great look. You just got to fifteen thousand and you know turn tail, big outside day. Uh, you're you're going to expect some weakness to follow, but that doesn't mean that we're not just going to be setting up for our next uh, our, our next big push. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. And certainly uh, next week, uh, well, first of all, I want to make sure that everyone has a just happy holiday. Uh, we really appreciate the support and uh, you, you sticking around with us uh, while we talk about stocks and sometimes other things when we get distracted. But it's always a pleasure uh, interacting with our subscribers and listeners. Uh, so we really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, hope you all have a happy holidays. And as a kind of a, a nice way to ring in the new year, we're going to have Jim Ropel on next week. And, you know, there's there's no no better person to kind of finish the year off than uh, with Jim Ropel. He, of course, is going to talk a little bit about what he sees for this year uh, that we've had and uh, why he's bullish coming up. So it'll be great to talk to him, get his take on. Uh, I mean, he's, he's really super bullish. So it's it's a great to talk to him. You get a super optimistic uh, sense of what's possible. And I can't think of any better way to end this year with and ring in the new year. Uh, then with Jim Ropel. So we hope you join us for that. Thanks a lot for watching this week. We'll see you next time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.